Newstalk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, you can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Um, I'll get, the, oh, I have some, uh, got some emails here. I'll get, I will get to them and I'm, I'm still doing battle with now. I've got like more leftists in the timeline. It's just, it's getting crazy. Man, they really don't like being called Putin apologists and propagandists. When I mean, Look, you're the guys that took the Putin money. I'm talking about the uh, report that came out where uh, that found money flowing from Putin and his uh, Russian oligarch buddies uh, through the Sea Change Fund. Shell companies out of Bermuda, and then it got funded into um, grants for environmentalist groups and they've been uh, opposing fracking and so they've been taking putin cash to make us less energy independent and they really don't like us knowing that apparently yeah, they're very upset with me for pointing this out anyway the pandemic the emergency declaration in north carolina needs to end the governor refuses to get rid of it um it, it really is pretty amazing how much of a pass he gets. Could you imagine? You look around the nation and the declarations are falling all over the place. And the media in this state do not seem to care that our governor maintains that emergency declaration, the ED. I don't know why. So... John Sanders at the John Locke Foundation, he crunches the COVID data and uh, he put out the stats as seen uh, in the official state data over the month of February, 56% of new COVID-19 cases were to fully vaccinated individuals. 46% of COVID-related deaths were fully vaccinated individuals. The lowest proportion of cases was seen among unvaccinated people with natural immunity from prior infection. Yet Cooper, through his emergency declaration and his executive orders related to it, he keeps requiring cabinet-level employees, so all these state workers, to be vaccinated or tested weekly without accounting for natural immunity. This This is so unscientific. If you got covid and you recovered from COVID, you've got durable, natural immunity. You have the thing that the vaccines are trying to replicate. Yet nobody makes accommodation for that. It's bizarre to me. Let me go over here. Scott wants to talk about the data sets. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, Pete. Um, uh, I know they said there'd be no math involved, but there might be a mathematical reason why those percentages are skewed somewhat. Yeah. Um, if you look at the fact that somewhere around 80% of the population is fully vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's not surprising that a larger percentage of them would be new, new COVID cases or deaths versus folks that are unvaccinated, which is a relatively small percentage. Um, I do not in any way disagree with you that the governor's ed problem needs to be resolved and i think you have a couple sponsors on there that might be able to help him with that you know oh good one uh yeah no that's 
that's uh, no, it, that's a fair point. This is only a monthly snapshot as well. Um, but there's, and this is the Sanders goes into this a little bit also about how DHHS muddies up their data so badly that we are left to make these types of extrapolations or or decisions. Uh, but also. The vaccines were supposed to prevent the infection, although I know they shifted that later on with Omicron. But right. it still doesn't make so much sense, though, that you're seeing such a large portion of people dying of that cohort. Um, also, well, not, if the people who are unvaccinated, but... if the people who are unvaccinated, they what we were told, what, half a year ago, that this was now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. But that's not true either anymore. Of course not. Yeah. That- all of those fallacies still exist, but a reason why you might be finding, and this is just complete hypothesis. No, I, I agree. But the, the, the higher number of deaths related to those who are fully vaccinated and boosted, the highest percentage of people who got done. No, we lost. That was in condition. Oh, you dropped out. Hang on, Scott. You, Scott, hang on. You dropped out. You said the highest what? The highest percentage of people who got double vaccinated and boosted was older folks and those with pre-existing conditions because, of course, they were True. it was imperative that they get vaccinated. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it also could point to why. I mean, I don't know what the age or pre-existing conditions. You know, I saw this great meme on social media that guy sitting in front of a doctor has got an arrow in his head. He says, my first guess is the arrow in the head, but I'm <laughs> going to run a COVID test just to be sure. Just to be sure. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So, no- really don't know for sure what those numbers mean and i don't think they mean anything and i think also pete not to be a conspiracy theorist but i think that's on purpose it it puts fear in people's hearts and fear is a great way to control people it's unfortunate but i just wish people would would dig a little deeper as you do and you you offer a lot of information and it's much appreciated well i yeah i appreciate that scott i'll tell you what john sanders concludes what the data tells him is that governor cooper does not have a legitimate reason based on the data to keep his ed in place. Yeah, 100% agreed. And who among us does have enough data to keep our ED in place? That's true. You know true. All right. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. I mean, you too. Appreciate it. Uh, so here's uh, the category new deaths in February. This category comes with a very big caveat, though. So this is, this is one of the problems within, to Scott's point, and I say this about economic news as well, the same thing held true and holds true with the COVID data is it's complex. There are a lot of different potential influences and conclusions and impacts. So you got to just kind of sift your way through it and assess all of it and be willing to reassess when new information comes out. All right, so this category has a big caveat. DHHS continues to lump deaths with COVID in with deaths from COVID. The same as it does with hospitalizations. So we don't know how many people died with it versus from it. We don't know the hospitalization numbers in the same way. And especially after two years, it is inexcusable at this point to not have separated out these populations, given the major health as well as policy implications at stake here. I mean, we are making massive structural decisions at every level of government And you guys still haven't figured out a way to tell me if somebody died from COVID or with it. You still you still can't figure out a way to report the hospitalizations from COVID versus with COVID. It's inexcusable. 
And I think if we had a media that was more adversarial, less ally, we might actually get some movement towards that end, but we don't. And I'm sorry, like I'm me and like a handful of other people that try to apply pressure because I can't pressure Governor Cooper. He's immune to pressure from me. I can try and pressure some media folks, try to shame them or something, but yeah, a lot of them, it's impossible. So, (laughs) but there are some people doing good work and I try to celebrate them. I try to read their stuff and bring them to you. So, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110 if you want to join the program. Also, Pete at thepetecallinershow.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Pete Calliner, and um, I am on Getter and MeWe and Facebook and all of the others as well. Follow the podcast at WBT.com, and it comes right to your phone every day. Within the hour, actually. Yeah, George... Slaving away over... The, oh, I'm sorry. Not, I don't think I'm supposed to say that anymore. I'm not allowed to say that word. He's working very hard over there. And uh, after the first hour is done, in the can, he posts it up while I'm talking during the second hour and so forth. Uh, a couple emails that came in uh, over the last hour and a half or so. First off, we started the first uh, hour talking about the spending bill. And Tim says... I don't know if Washington politicians are intentionally trying to destroy the U.S. dollar or are economic idiots or downright psychopaths. Maybe a combination of several of the above. We are in serious trouble. Um, Then there was this one. Oh, from uh, Joseph, who said, uh, was commenting on Vilma Leak and her, she said she was seeing the ghosts of all these people that were dead, but they were dancing. And she said, she's not crazy. She knows what she's saying. And and so Joseph said, she's seeing spirits. So maybe Vilma is a doctor after all, a witch doctor. I guess I might seriously. I'm glad I don't live in Mecklenburg County because the clips you play of the chicanery that goes on during County commission and city council meetings is embarrassing. The days of Sue are long gone. I will say, yeah, I mean, I've always, I have worked in Charlotte media, you know, over the course of 20 years. And Vilma Leak has been in, like, she, I've been reporting, covering her the whole time. She's been in office for more than 23 years, 25 years, something like that. I got to cover her when she was on school board. She liked me. I don't know if she still does, but she, I got along with her just fine, but I was a reporter and, and she, this is the, so the rule that I used for my audio clips when I would, and write, when I would write stories and I would pull audio clips and put them into my news stories, my guiding philosophy was, is this uh, a soundbite that the person I'm quoting, are they going to appreciate that I use this soundbite? appropriately right that's the that's sort of the north star for me which was are they going to accuse me of taking them out of context are they going to say oh there was something there that i said before and you chopped that out or 
Will they say, you know what, I may not like you, I may not like your station, and there were people that, like George Dunlap, he, he would not talk with me because I worked here at WBT. Even though I never did anything to him, he was dragged pretty frequently. <laughs> well, because he would say stupid things. He's, he's gotten better, he's mellowed out a lot, but he would say stupid things. Norman Mitchell as well, Norman Mitchell... Uh, did not like he liked me personally. In fact, when I got laid off years ago, he reached out and said, "Hey, uh, you know, sorry to hear about that. Let me know if you need anything." I thought that was very nice of him to do that. So I, I never took him up on it. But there, you know, people say silly things, and Vilma Leek is one of them, and she says a lot of silly things, and so I am able to bring them to you. I I feel like I sometimes don't deserve to have her as an elected representative. And I'm actually now in her district. She's my county commissioner now. I know I'm way, I'm way far afield here. I didn't even mean to go down this path, but it is very nice because honestly, you need people like that. Otherwise, I'm not going to watch those meetings. Really? Like I'll watch them. Well, okay. All right. All right. All right. You got me. I will watch the meetings just to find out what's going on, but I'll have them on in the background and I won't really feel the need to, you know, roll tape on them all and do the time codes and all that stuff. I, I won't do all of that. But when you got some characters and personalities on a body that could potentially generate some fireworks, then you got to be ready for anything. And Vilma makes you be ready for anything. Lord knows. Anyway, back to the John Sanders piece at uh, johnlock.org. February, new deaths. Keeping in mind that DHHS does not separate deaths from COVID versus deaths with COVID. There's great uncertainty in the data, which then can be used to promote great overreaction by media and a fearful public and great overreach by the governor and public health officials. But it also limits what conclusions researchers may or may not be able to draw. Put simply, he says, the official statistic is a mess. But... We go by the numbers from January, well, for the month of February, total COVID-19 deaths, 1,325, and 46% of them were among fully vaccinated individuals, 54% unvaccinated. Patients are counted as vaccinated if they provide proof of vaccination. Get this, patients who are not vaccinated, partially vaccinated, cannot provide proof of vaccine or whose vaccine vaccination status cannot be confirmed in the database, they're all categorized as unvaxxed. So we don't even know if the unvaxxed numbers are actually really all unvaccinated. Because if you don't have your vaccination card, you're going to get counted as unvaxxed. It's a mess. The statistics are a mess. Much like the world. John Sanders with the John Locke Foundation um, wrote a piece about the latest data dump from the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services on COVID. And um, I'm going to move off of this because it ties into other uh, topics here, other issues that are related. But he says if fully vaccinated people comprise the majority of cases in the state, as well as the majority of COVID related deaths, then 
How can the governor distinguish between theoretical risks from the unvaccinated and the fully vaccinated? And that's key. Because Cooper's rationale for mandating the vaccine in the most recent executive order, he said, unvaccinated people pose a risk not only to themselves, but to people who are immunocompromised and to children who are too young to be vaccinated. Okay. If fully vaxxed people now comprise the majority of cases, as well as the majority of COVID-related deaths, then how can he distinguish between theoretical risks from unvaxxed and the fully vaxxed? He can't. That's the point. He cannot. So there can be no basis for the declaration of emergency, even on its own merits. It needs to go. Then there's this from Timothy Carney at Washington Examiner. Speaking of impossible COVID zero policies, would you believe that forcing middle school kids and teachers to wear masks seven hours a day is a good intervention if a study suggested that a mandate could prevent about eight infections during an entire school year? That's the payoff. That was the payoff. Have you seen people running around touting some new study about masks in schools? Have you seen any of this on social media? Yeah, it basically works out to be one case per month. That's the big win. So everybody's got to be masked up for seven, eight hours a day, five days a week, forever, I guess, in order to avoid one case, one additional case per month. Preventing one case per month is the best case interpretation of a recent study funded by the National Institutes of Health. Incredibly, this study is somehow being touted as proof that mask mandates work. I keep saying this. When I hear people talk about uh, masks work and specifically mask mandates work, I think we need a, a, a working definition that we agree upon of the word work. Because the science and data that I have seen on masks and mask mandates is that your definition of working does not comport with any definition of working that I employ. I do not. There's working in order for me to determine if something works or not, it's got to function as advertised, as promised, at least 51% of the time. That is the bare minimum. And even then, I would say this is probably not working. I'm a patient person, so I'll put up with a malfunctioning device of some kind if it's only firing 51% of the time. You know, you just kind of keep going. But if if it goes down to less than half the time, no. Unless it's like a big lighter in the middle of the forest and I need to light a fire. Like, I'm going to keep striking that thing, and if it, oh, I only need it to work once. But working indicates some level of success. That's what I go by. That's my definition of working. Okay, so do mask mandates work in the schools? You could just as easily point out that the study found mask mandatory schools reported nearly three times as many COVID cases as mask optional schools. That's what the study also found. You heard correctly. Mask mandatory schools reported nearly three times as many cases as mask optional schools. 
This is in spite of the fact that the study was knowingly set up in such a way that it would ignore thousands of positive COVID cases in mask mandatory schools. So they even put their thumb on the scale to juice the stats so they would undercount the case counts and they still beat the mask optional schools. So Carney then begins to dismantle this study. Researchers found out, number one, more than 90% of teachers and students who got COVID got it outside of school. 90% plus got it from outside of the school. In mask optional schools, a higher proportion of cases was traced to in-school infection. A vast majority of all infections in these schools happened outside of the school as well, though. That was 79% of all of the infections happened outside of the mask optional schools. Okay, so you got your... You got your mandatory schools and your optional schools. That's the comparison that they're making. And considering that kids spend nearly half their waking hours Monday through Friday in school, the findings suggest that schools are actually very safe. Certainly schools are not less safe than other places. This is why it is indefensible that many states and cities and school districts like CMS kept their own mask mandates in place longer than the indoor mandates for other places. The fact that CMS kept its mask mandate through, what, March 9th, whenever it was, after the county had already dropped it, it's indefensible. Number two, the case reduction that the study found was actually tiny. The media has been trumpeting the study's finding that the mandatory masking correlated with a large percentage reduction in in in-school transmission. Every time you see the words like 72% reduction, you need to ask what are the absolute numbers, right? Because 100%, like you go from 1% to 2%, that's a 100% increase. Sounds like a lot, right? But it's only one. It's now two. That's not a lot. It's only two out of, you know, millions. The study found that for every 1,000 kids in a mask optional school, 14 got COVID in school over the course of the year. 14. That means in in an unmasked middle school of 500 kids, two people would catch COVID in school per month compared to one person in a mask mandatory school. That was the difference. Literally one case per month. Was that worth masking the kids for? That's the question. And I've said from the beginning, I don't think that we as a society are prepared or capable of actually having a conversation along those ethical lines. Because it's a complex topic. Oh, I feel like we're building towards something. Oh, yeah. All right, hey. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. And again, the email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show. And remember, get the podcast for free, WBT.com. Sonny, welcome to the program. Sonny, what's up? Hey, man, that thing, man, I can't, hey, Sonny, I can barely hear you. If you are on a smart uh, a, a speakerphone or if you're driving in the car on a car speakerphone, is that what's causing the can, terrible connection? Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's a little bit better. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so what's your gripe about uh, mask mandates? What, what do I not like about them? Yeah, well, I mean, what's your gripe about it? What's my gripe about mask mandates? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, when, 
Well, it depends on it depends on the settings that and and how they're being enforced and what the penalties are. So you probably need to be a little bit more specific. I was talking about the school mask mandates. So is that what you if you're asking me about the school mask mandates? I can we can. Oh well, I was just I thought you was generally against mandates for masks. Generally, I am. Yeah. Yeah, in general, because my, my default position on virtually all things, particularly policy-wise, is towards freedom. I default towards freedom. I default away from government and towards the individual and the personal liberty. So I, that, that's automatic. That's where I tend to go. Do you wear your seatbelt when you drive your car? Do I what? Do you wear your seatbelt when you drive your car? I do. They took away some of your freedom, man. You're not they did. That. Yeah, they do. Absolutely, they do. I cannot understand what you're saying. I swear, you're. Are you on a speakerphone? Yeah, hold on for a minute. Yeah. Right. Usually, I put them. Can on. you hear me now? Oh yeah, there's. That's way better now. Okay. So yeah, so I do wear a seatbelt when I get in the car. In fact, my car yells at me if I uh, if I don't wear the seatbelt. So well, I, I don't like getting yelled at by cars. So I wear the seatbelt. Well, that's infringing on your freedom. Indeed, absolutely. Yeah, the laws, seatbelt laws, aren't absolutely. Yeah, same thing with helmet laws and. Yeah, same. Absolutely. So, so, so mask are safe. That's what they're for. That's not what. No, that's not what they're for. You're, see, now that's what's called a false correlation. Just because we accept certain rules based on certain expectations of safety uh, outcomes, and which, by the way, people do die from seatbelts as well. We don't ever talk about that. People do die from them, and just like with the airbags and stuff, people get severely injured from airbags. There is a cost on that side of the ledger, which is one of the things that I particularly uh, am not fond of is when people try to make arguments to me and force me to make a choice of, uh, you know, like, my opinion, great, your opinion, terrible, now pick one. That's not, that's a false choice. It's a, it's a, well, it's, no, you, you, just, you, just, you just framed it in, in the term of freedom. That's, I said that's my default position. Generally speaking, because you asked me generally, I said generally speaking, I tend towards my default is just going to be to lean in that direction. That doesn't mean that I don't come around on certain arguments. You can, just like you said, with seatbelts. You know, they, they force the seatbelts into the vehicles and stuff. Secondhand smoke in bars. I was against the, uh, the government telling bars they couldn't do that. I lost that argument, right? So there are things that, and, but I continue to live in the society that I am in, and uh, so I, but I recognize that there are there are compelling interests and state interests on other sides of arguments, and so I'm I'm open to hear them. You've not made a compelling argument. You're just you, you seem like you're trying to trap me with something, which is uh, funny because I've explained my position on every level of mask mandate over the last two years. So they are available. Not, Just go not, to the podcast. I'm not here. trying to trap you, but I think you're a good man. I'm not. I'm not trying to trap. Well, so what is it you want to know? So what is it that you want to know? What or, or what is your assertion? What is your basic question? Well, the thing about it is, I, I'm I'm for uh, mask mandate until we are further ahead of this pandemic mm-hmm. because there's still a lot of people dying. Yeah, and I think it's just in courtesy uh, that that people would, would protect each other. Okay, but so if they don't, then it needs to be a mandate. Okay, so uh, number one, um, you believe that the masks work in in, in, uh, in the vast majority of the cases. Is that fair? You believe well, they work? Uh, yeah, I believe they are preventing uh, some some cases of uh, some cases. Yeah, 
Okay. Even though the studies show that even the best ones, they 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 only work like forty percent of the time, forty to fifty percent of the time. But that's but that's know, worth have, it for we you. Haven't, we haven't hear anything about the flu anymore. Yeah, yeah, you do. I do. I mean, I get the but I get CDC reports, so I see they, they they're tracking flu numbers. Is the flu numbers up or down? Well, you don't know the flu season. You don't know the total numbers until like a year later. So they're not going to know this stuff until afterwards. But this is part of the problem with the data collection in general. And it seeps into like the the uh, uh, the uh, autopsy numbers or not autopsy, but the yeah, the cause of death right from the from the medical examiners. Like gotcha. if somebody dies from COVID or with COVID, that's a pretty important difference, right? Yeah, that's a big difference. Right. So but we don't I know that. that. They're not collecting that. They're not. They're not parsing that out for us, which I think is pretty important. Because if it turned out that a lot of people, uh, let's say ninety nine percent of the people who died with COVID, but not from it, would that change your risk assessment? Would that change the level of of hesitancy or fear that you have about the disease if you knew that virtually everybody that they had in their database died with COVID, not from it? Well, that, that with and from is very, very big. That's yeah. Like, you know, that's like if. If is a big, big word. Absolutely. Small, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, so it might force you to change. It might prompt you to change your mind about the risk assessment that you're making for your own life. Because, look, I don't know your medical history. So if you want to wear a mask, you should wear a mask. And I don't have any problem with people voluntarily wearing masks. I don't. People Okay, should. well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Thanks, and, 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 and I thank you for your time. Oh, yeah, no, I enjoy it. So, so what if a what if a, a state employee, say a police officer, yeah, uh, apprehended you or whatever, arrested you or whatever, and he had COVID, and you got COVID from that? Could you, could you sue the state? No, you can't sue the state for if he got you sick with the flu. No, 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 no. I'm talking about if you got COVID and died. I know. And if he had the flu and gave it to me, and I died from the flu, I I couldn't sue the state for that. You can't sue people. And that's the thing. Like this is there are there are inherent risks in life. This is one of them. And Sonny, I appreciate the call. Great discussion. I, I call back whenever. Um, there are inherent risks in in all lives, and you can't you can't protect everybody from everything all over the place. All right, I got to go uh, do some news. Stick around.